anxious to step through the gate again, Major? Yes, I am. We all are. Would you like us to bring back anything special? Uh, no, thanks. Groceries, new outfit, flatware? Hmm. No. Just yourselves in one piece, please. Dial it up. You say. The Jumping Puddles podcast. Be sure to listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and or YouTube. And follow us at Jumping Puddles Podcast on Tumblr and Instagram. And Jumping Pud Pod on Twitter. If you want to support our podcast, be sure to check out our coffee. Hi, I'm Sam, and with me are my fellow co-hosts, Tor and Ash. Hey! And this week, we're talking about the Lost Boys. Lieutenant Colonel John Shepard's team is ambushed and captured by a coalition of people led by Aiden Ford, who captures Wraith so they can have access to the enzyme. Their plan is to force the team, except Shepard, to take the enzyme, so with their help they can destroy a hive ship and prove the benefits of this drug to the galaxy. Dun, dun, dun. (laughs) 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 Truly an episode worthy of the dun, dun, dun. Absolutely. We made it to the mid-season two-parter of season two. We did it. Oh my gosh. Yes. We are chugging, chugging along. Sure are. I kind of forgot that this was a (laughs) two-parter. Really? I was literally going to say, I was like, I feel like this one is so underrated. I feel like we all ever forget these two episodes exist. Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking the exact same thing because... I mean, it's kind of hard because the last mid-season two part it was the storm and the eye. Mm. Those are just, like, so good. I think in season three it's the return. Yeah. Uh, I I don't remember season four and five. <laughs> um, but yeah, I feel like no matter what you think about the return, it's like, it's still yeah, it's often ranked higher than Lost Boys and The Hive, yeah. <laughs> it's we'll those damn cameos no. <laughs> <laughs> next <Yeah>. year <laughs> that helps that helps too mm. yeah no i i really do think this is a great two-parter and i think mm. it finally closes up the chapter of season one of atlantis mm. which do we want it to be closed mm. no <laughs> not for ford no no, no. Mm-hmm. yeah alas. Or at least alas differently yeah yeah Oh my gosh, I mean, should we just start with Ford? Oh god, whoa. <laughs> How do we even tackle that? Uh, That's a lot. I have to say, I was happy to see Ford. When, like, when they were in the cave and they were all just, like, uh, tied up and then he just walked in, I was like, oh, Ford was back! Of course, he still looks a bit weird, but I don't know. I feel like the outfit was really working. It was like the leather and the chains and I don't know I think he looked kind of good despite the like black eye and the like a weird face but I feel he looked definitely better than in Runner mm-hmm. like there he was just terrible I guess he's still terrible and very like unpredictable but yeah I I, I was happy to see him yeah it's it's sort of interesting to see him in like more traditionally pegasus galaxy gear 
it kind of suits him more than the uh, Atlantis uniform did when he was transformed. And I feel like compared to Runner, even though he's a little bit dastardly in this episode, I feel like he's a lot more calm and calculating about it at certain points compared to Runner, which is weird. I guess he's had time to, like, ruminate on it and make a plan, and so he's more confident, um, especially with his whole, his own team behind him. But yeah, a little bit of a different side of Ford in this episode, for sure. No, I think he's, I don't want to use the word stable, <laughs> you know, stable in quotation marks, but he's a lot more stable in this episode than he is in Runner, right? He has like a mm-hmm. natural home or like a base or whatever. Mm-hmm. He has people. And I was thinking about it. I was like, when you mentioned the clothes, I was like, oh my God, he's, he was still wearing his like gear that he escaped in, um, in Runner. Like he was still wearing mm-hmm. like the, the gray jacket and like the bandana. Like he was still very like, on the run um and then we get this Ford here and he's like totally I mean you can see a lot more of his personality sort of peeking out still mm-hmm. and then he has like this you know unpredictableness though as well that makes him dangerous <laughs> but he's a lot more like the Ford we know in this episode I thought it was so interesting uh Tor where you said oh he has his team now this is I feel like this is a side of Ford that we never got the chance to see, but that I kind of wish that we got to see that he's... I don't know if we have that in our canon that he is still on Atlantis, but he has his own team now. Did we make this up, right? Yeah. I remember that correctly. So I feel like this is what we could have had. Like, we can see that he he can take responsibility, that he's... I feel like he's he's still super young and he's I think he's still a child, but he can take responsibility. He can take uh, lead a team. Um, he can feel super con- comfortable, like with people he trusts, no matter the certain circumstances at the moment. But yeah, that's like that's super interesting to see because we never had that in a um, in the first season because of course he was part of um, John's team and John was was the leader. So, yeah. That was really cool. So he grew up a little bit. Yeah, and it's weird. They kind of had like mirrors of his own team um, or his original team on Atlantis in his team with the Lost Boys. Like uh, Chase is kind of like the Rodney. I think Chase Mm -hmm. is his name. The blonde guy. and then to the like the second in command guy was kind of like a John ish person, maybe a little bit more predictable, unpredictable, I should say. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so it was weird seeing that, but kind of cool too. Um, although, yeah, I do wish that we kind of got that on Atlantis instead of here. Yeah. This episode just hurts. I think it was hurting for yeah. Runner. It was hurting for Runner. And I think it just goes completely downhill here. Like, it just falls apart. And I think that's where you start to just really feel like this is the point of no return for mm. both of them. Right? Like, we get that scene in the beginning, right? 
Um, they amazing. I love this scene, the dinner scene. Yeah. <laughs> where everyone's eating and talking. And I wrote down, I was like, I think all the actors here are just bringing their absolute A game because it just felt so natural. And there's so many like little details thrown in that scene, like Ronan sniffing the food. <laughs> you know, he, something that Jason always does with all his like Ronan scenes in the background. And then, you know, like, Rodney just, like, immediately eating and, like, John Glare shooting glares at Rodney for eating and being like, why the fuck are you doing that? Like, stop. Um, so it just felt so organic. And I think when, he, when Ford comes in, when, you know, he starts, like, talking to them or whatever, and, you know, some of them relax around him, right? Like, Taylor, Ronan, and Rodney just start eating and they're like, all right. Like, they just, like, still kind of trust him in that moment. And then... John is so hesitant, I think, because he's just mad that Ford managed to get the one up on him and kidnap them. <laughs> that he's like refusing to eat and he's like not fully trusting of it. And then it turns out, you know, everyone else is drugged except for him. And I think that's the trust just is gone at that point. I think, especially for John, I think that's sort of one of his breaking points for Ford, especially, you know, later in the episode. It just past like the 25 minute mark everyone is just not having it anymore <laughs> all of this like oh poor poor baby like come back to atlantis is fucking gone they're like <laughs> gloves are off they're all beefing it's a mess yeah uh the dinner scene was awesome like all of the original team's faces like the zoom in on their faces when ford walks into the room is so like dramatic reveal it was really awesome um, and I like that scene for the weird, like, I wouldn't even call it animosity because it's not really that angry. Um, but Ford kind of talking around Ronan in the conversation, like, judging his one-liners and, like, asking John, like, where'd you get this guy? Like... Um, very much, you can feel that there is a sort of, like, oh, this is my replacement sort of energy, and not sure how to feel about that sort of relationship there, which is interesting. Very interesting. Another part of the dinner scene that I really liked was... Uh, the glimpse that we got into Ford and Rodney's previous relationship. I really like that they paired them together in Runner, and I like that they're making a point of emphasizing the sort of relationship that they had on the team uh, in this first scene where they're back together again, um, where Ford is telling Rodney like all the the science-y stuff that he used to survive and best the wraith he learned from Rodney and it kind of gives you a picture of their relationship or how it used to be where Rodney had fun maybe teaching for how to do all this stuff and even on later on in the episode uh he mentions it again another thing he learned um from Rodney so yeah I like that that continuing thread from previous episodes um really emphasizing their relationship. Yeah. And I think we talked about this um, off the air before we came on to record this episode. We were just talking about how I think we all really 
found something special in Ford and Rodney's relationship that I think maybe if you don't sort of like go through with like a magnifying glass like we do in every episode, like you probably <laughs> like wouldn't maybe notice it as much or you think like, oh, this is cute. And then like move past it. Like they, they have a funny scene, you know, that's it. But I think just sort of like looking at their relationship and how it's grown and how they sort of have been paired in these really emotional uh, episodes. I don't know. There's just something so special about it. I was going to mention, uh, yeah, there's that one, uh, you know, throughout this whole episode, like Tor mentioned, like, you know, Tor keeps like dropping little hints, like, oh, you taught me that. And one is just like, oh, did I? Or like, oh, yeah, good. And then, of course, we get the funny scene um, where, again, uh, Four took out the control crystal, control crystal, something that Rodney uh, taught him. And he's like, damn it, like, why did I teach him that? Like, there's so many, like, different, you know, callbacks. And again, even later, too, when Ford is kind of like, obviously we know that he's, like, sort of buttering up the gang and, like, being all extra nice to get them to fix the dart so they can, like, go on his little suicide mission. Um, but he keeps saying, like, oh, don't worry, Rodney can fix it. Or don't worry, like, like Rodney, you're the best at this. Like, of course you're going to get it working. Like, he keeps emphasizing and, like, keeps making it a point to bring Rodney into this like, conversation. And it's so sad <laughs> for multiple reasons. And one of them, I think, is that it's just really unfortunate that, you know, not to skip ahead, but I don't think we get much of, you know, Ford and Rodney after this, if at all, in the next episode. This is kind of their ending here. Because um, as we know, uh, Rodney gets stuck and basically held hostage on this planet. Um, <laughs> and so that's kind of it for them, is that last scene of Ford, you know, telling the guy, oh, take McKay back, he's staying here. <laughs> and it's so sad. And I don't think, I, I don't know how many times they ever really mentioned Ford again after this, to be honest. And so we'll... We'll be, you know, watching out for that. But I think at the end of the day, it just sucks that this is kind of it. Because I think, you know, they had something special. We all picked up on it. Um, and it's just such a nice dynamic. Yeah, it made me so sad watching this episode and all the times what you mentioned that all the things that Rodney apparently taught Forge, that I don't think we saw a lot of that, like, on screen. But we saw their dynamic quite... Like, if you look for them, you, you you could find them, and it was really nice to watch. And it was not only with Rodney, but I think with the whole team that Ford still had this huge admiration for his former team. And there's still something, like, from the former Ford is still in him, even though he's changed a lot, like, through the enzyme and everything. But like this, he knows what he had with the team, and he knows all their strengths and all their um, yeah assets. And it's so, so heartbreaking to see that that he still trusts them um, to a degree and thinks they basically think, especially Rodney can fix everything. Yeah, so, yeah, knowing that this is the last time that we see them really together and interact is really sad. Yeah. And then we also mentioned off the podcast that I wanted to mention again, too. Uh, we mentioned that um, 
in our minds anyways, I think Ford and Rodney had a much deeper relationship um, than John and Ford. Especially in, like, the early parts of, like, season one, where, like, you know, um, there's just so many little moments. Like, we do get a scene in Home of uh, Rodney and Ford off-planet, and Rodney's telling him about the crystals, and, like, Ford's, like, cracking up at, like, Rodney's, like, giant ego. Uh, you know, we get those little moments, and there's that little one scene in Underground where Rodney's like, oh, does this have lemon? And Ford's just like, just eat it. Like, <laughs> eat it eat it like you know there's just little moments and i think as compared i think we get a lot of john and ford early on and then since ford starts like disappearing in episodes we just don't get as much um or since he's in the background like he'll join rodney in the background um so i don't know they have a much deeper relationship i think and then i think they changed it <laughs> at the end of season one uh and the beginning of season two they were like oh no john feels this immense guilt over losing Ford. And it's just like, where did this come from? Like, I don't know why. I think they probably did it because they were like, oh, well, John's the main character, even though this is supposed to be an ensemble show. We all know it's not. Um, and so I think they just wanted to give that to John. But I honestly, I think it was a mistake to give it to John when I think they kind of had this fun dynamic just right there that was already, you know, there were already seeds planted. And I think it would have added something if, you know, maybe all of the team like felt some sort of way about like, you know, leaving Ford. But I think it would have hit honestly a lot harder if Rodney was the one that was like constantly feeling guilt about it, especially considering like his growth as a character to see him like actually like feel like extreme sadness or like feel guilty for like what happened it would be like a night and day, you know, comparison to his character in SG-1. And so it's just, oh, the potential just breaks my heart so much because we could have had it all. And instead, I just, I don't think John needs like more trauma. Like, I guess, <laughs> no offense, <laughs> I guess at this point in the show, right? Like people watching this for the first time would not know like, uh, john's like family situation or like john's like previous history of the war and stuff so yeah this this is nice but i think later they do a good job of like adding all this stuff to john's character that like i don't know i think they could have given something to rodney or something to taylor like just give him some anything <laughs> yeah i was thinking actually exactly down those lines because i i was considering john's character also like earlier when we were talking off the record um and I feel like it fits his character that he does feel guilty and that he has all these complicated feelings about Ford and that he feels horrible for not pursuing him, maybe, or not finding him and in the end not being able to rescue him. Um, so I feel like it, it fits and I can see John beating himself up about all this because he was a member of his team and everything. But yes, absolutely. It would have been much cooler if they had continued what they had started in season one, which is the Ford-Rodney relationship. I wonder if that was more like coincidental that they didn't really plan for them to have this relationship and then they, or maybe they weren't aware and then they just forgot. I mean, they, give, they did give them runner, so I don't know. 
who knows what is going on in their minds. But yeah, I think maybe it would have been also interesting to see again, I'm just reiterating what you said. But yeah, to see, I don't know, both Rodney and John like suffering maybe or like trying to deal with this situation um by coming from different um point of views like John more from the um leader of the team lost a member of his team and Rodney more like oh he lost a friend so that would have been interesting to explore and of course with Taylor as well but yeah I mean they kind of dropped the ball there quite early yeah, I, I have complicated feelings about the whole um, John and Ford thing because in the beginning, um, when it first happened, like at the season finale um, and the season opener, season two, and in Runner, like I I understood the the guilt that John was feeling. But I feel like in this episode... Um, it's kind of like, like you were saying earlier, Sam, sort of the last straw, like the, the straw that broke the camel's back, but he continues to have guilt about this in the future, which I don't know, because just from his reactions to things in this episode, I feel like, um, the fact that Ford, uh, is directly threatening his team is kind of like a no-no situation for John, like, um, you know, in the beginning, he's still trying to to get Ford to see reason because he can see a little bit of regret um in Ford, which is another thing we'll have to talk about um soon. Uh, but then in the end, where um Ford double crosses and decides to take Rodney hostage um, and use for collateral at the end of the episode, I feel like he's, like, done at that point. He's like, all right, really? <laughs> so, yeah, I just I just have confusion about his future uh, feelings regarding Ford. Um, but, yeah. Yeah, I think that kind of just circles back to like I think is the the main problem with this whole Ford storyline is that I just like the fact that they never brought him back I think is one I think it just feels very unfinished not to skip ahead to the hive <laughs> they sort of mingle into one sometimes but it just feels unfinished and I also think a lot of people like I feel like the writers are like oh we can just write it off and like it'll be fine like no one will remember but a lot of people will always bring up that, like, one of the biggest things they did wrong with Atlantis was how they dealt with Ford, right? Like, I think people never forget that the team just suddenly, like, don't give a shit about Ford. They never go looking for him again, even though, you know, they're like, again, not to skip ahead, but they're like, oh, maybe he's still alive, right? Like, they, they leave it on, like, a cliffhanger, and, like, the show just doesn't do anything with that. And so I constantly see people bringing up, like, how can they do that to Ford? How can they do it to a teammate? And the fact that they don't ever like fully mourn or like really remember, I think I kind of think that it, I think Rodney makes a mention to Ford in oh, what's the episode where he turns into a super uh, superhero? Oh, um, Tao, Tao, Rodney, Tao, Rodney, Tao, Rodney. Yeah, I think he mentions Ford. He's like, I'm gonna go crazy like Ford or something. I want to say that he mentions or something. Um, I could be wrong though. So if I'm wrong. 
forget I said anything. Um, you know, we don't really get, besides that, I don't remember any time they've mentioned before until that random fa- flashback in season five. So I think just the way how they handled his exit, I just think is really terrible, both off screen and on screen. I, I get so sad because I think there's like a YouTube like interview or something and he's like showing off like his Ford action figure and he looks so excited and I don't know why. <laughs> that just broke my damn heart. Like y'all did not do this to this guy. Like he looks so excited holding his Ford action figure um and so i don't know i think the way they handled it on and off screen was just terrible and so i think you know starting i mean it was already bad like in runner we had mixed feelings about that episode and prestige part two like we just keep freaking it up because we have these mixed feelings but i think it just ugh, it's in this episode you just feel it like like when we're watching it i'm just like i feel like it's hard to separate the you know the reality and the fiction because the way he left and then like the way we know he never comes back. So all these like loose threads are just, ugh, ugh. and so you're watching it and you're just like, there's no resolution to this. And there's no good resolution to this. And then they never, the team never mourns. They're fine the next episode, basically. <laughs> After this two part of they're like, anyways, <laughs> back to saving the galaxy. Like they don't, not even like a pretend little funeral for him, nothing. Anyways, yeah. So, ugh, I just think it's, was it? good i think this is i think this is definitely a huge like i, I don't blame it i don't blame anyone for being like oh well, like they left forward or like oh they didn't treat forward right like if you have those like complaints like i think honestly you're really valid that's a big reason why you like are always coming back to like not liking atlantis like that's fair i think <laughs> i think it's just eh. it's just not great of the team and it just makes all of our characters look like assholes <laughs> Yeah, uh, not to change the subject slightly, but they do something similar with um, Elizabeth in mm. season three. Mm-hmm. They it also ends with oh she's still out there and maybe she'll come back or maybe, and they also leave that hanging and they also don't have like a they also don't really mourn or have like a. Uh, ceremony for her. The only time we have it is with, with Carson, and he's the one who comes back, actually. <laughs> the irony. <laughs> oh, no. So, That's yeah, the, I feel like, yeah, I feel like Starry in general doesn't handle um, writing people off that well. Mm-hmm. Mostly because of um, Ford and Elizabeth, I think. But, yeah. Yeah, like, I get the desire to want to leave it open-ended so you can, re- like, return these characters in the future if you if you want, but, like, it's science fiction. Like, if you're just gonna, yeah. like, kill, pretend to kill them like you did with <laughs> Carson and then bring them back, like, it's fine. I'll forgive you for the closure, the premature closure. Um, but I think the problem becomes they left it open-ended. And then they brought the characters back and they left it open-ended again or Mm. didn't treat the characters well in the return episodes. Um, And I'm speaking more of Elizabeth when I say don't treat the character well. Because I do think that the um, Ford is interesting and compelling as like a sort of I don't want to say villain because he's not really, but like, yeah, that's a hero. Yeah, that's a good word for it. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I had this whole idea. I was like, I don't know why he didn't, like, come back. Especially season two or three. Because I was thinking, like, with the introduction of Michael later on. Mm-hmm. I was like, you know, Michael escapes. And he's on the run, right? And then in season three, I think... I forget, but he's basically, he's on the run, he has a vendetta against Atlantis. Like, how did he not run, like, I'm sure there could have been a story where he ran across Ford, and then they teamed up in season three. Ooh, that would have been interesting. They team up, and then something happens, or something, like, you know, goes wrong, and then Ford's like, can either, you know, do the big hero sacrifice and, like, save the day to get redeemed redemption or he does the save the day and he still lives and then they ship him back to earth like off the ensign and they're like you're retired now or like <laughs> he's like i want to go back to earth <laughs> i don't want to be here anymore and they're like yeah good <laughs> like they could have handled that so much better and i think there was so much material left for to still like work with him and i think especially when you add him into michael like, i think they have very similar stories they've been like quote unquote mm-hmm. like wronged by Atlantis in their minds. Well more so Michael. Michael is wronged. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I think it'd be fun to have like again it as an extra layer of emotion. Because yes, they like feel the team feel like kind of conflicted in the beginning about Michael, but they're like, fuck this guy. Um very quickly they do not give a shit. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I think if they if they had fourth there it would have been like a oh gosh, like can we really kill, you know, our ex teammate. Mm-hmm. Or can we, like, really do this if our ex-teammate is there? And then I think it would have been on, fun on Ford's side to see him make the switch, hopefully, where, you know, he sees maybe it's when Michael tries to kidnap pregnant Taylor, and he's like, yo, this is crossing the line. <laughs> or, like, something, you know, like, you know, it could have been something like that where he steps in to save a teammate, and then either he dies or he actually manages to stop Michael. I don't know. Whatever. But... There's just so much there. Curse you, writers. Curse you. Yeah, and I kind of love how, well, I choose to interpret um, his character in this episode as functioning in, like, a gray area. um, Where I don't think we can say with certainty whether or not he's being genuine when he tells Shepard that he wants to go home or not. And I like that they went there and made it ambiguous and it, they played it off like it was a psycho, but we don't know that for sure. Like, he could really have felt that way. Maybe he's feeling that way and trying to bury it inside himself. Like, we don't know. Like, and he feels like maybe I can't go home because of the way I look or this chemical dependency that I now have. Um, you know, and I wanted to throw that question out there for the group. Like, what do we do we think? Do we think that Ford really wants to go home? Or deep down? Or it really was just a way to um, get John to feel bad for him and to agree to his plan? I wanted to ask the same thing. <laughs> hmm. It's hard Tiny, because yeah. I feel yeah. like there earlier in the episode, like we see him acting more rationally and you know he's built this community on his own really from the ground up and um they are sort of like freedom fighters like they are fighting the wraith 
Um, and, you know, he's very much in this leadership position, but not terribly um, arrogant or authoritative in the way he um, commands, I guess. And when he's sparring with his people, one line that he said that really struck me was um, something about teamwork. You work better as a team. So this idea that he does long for community um, in a way, does he miss his old community? Does he feel like he can't go back there when he wants to? Like, I feel like there's potential for him, you know, to be being sincere. Yeah, I, for me, I think it was the part that made me question. Like, of course, he's, he says that he was just like trying to convince John um, in that scene. And I, I forgot about that. So when I watched the scene, I was like, stop thinking that you have to prove yourself. Mm. Um, because that's what he's been doing, like, especially in Runner. He always wanted to prove that he's okay, that this enzyme is actually good, it's helping him, and that he wanted to prove that so bad to Atlantis. Um, and, like, from the Lantian perspective, he was nuts and um they yeah didn't trust him or didn't think that this was the way to go but for him like from him his perspective it's he yeah he doesn't see the negative sides or he doesn't experience negative sides i guess um i got the feeling that he's still trying to prove himself i felt like that was really in character it was consistent with what we've seen before and of course he might have just played that but i think that was the part that made me question if it was entirely just a ruse or if it there was actually a kernel of truth in there that he um actually wants to go home and actually wants to the, because i i think he longs for the um recognition of the team still because he still likes them a lot and i don't think like, of course, then you could say, oh, he was playing them all along, like, in the whole the whole episode, but I don't think that's the truth. Um, so, yeah, I don't think he was entirely lying when he said he wanted to go home. I agree. It's super consistent with his character, even before the Wraith enzyme. Um, like, you know, his insecurity when it came to the science people, like, saying he wasn't smart and stuff, like, this, he, him, like, overcompensating when he was put in a leadership position, like, in the, oh, the yeah. eye. Yeah. Um, this, I I feel like this need to prove himself has been an undercurrent in fourth character forever, and this enzyme situation has just made it explicit and, like, amplified it. So I totally, I totally see what you're saying, and I, I agree. I feel like um, John's insistence that he doesn't have to prove anything to anyone is just falling on deaf ears because this kind of mentality has been ingrained in, in him from even before the situation. Um, and like you said, he was even um, talking about the team strengths of uh, the entire episode. Like, you know, you guys are the best at what you do. And I think he wants to prove that 
he can be the best at stuff too. Uh, so, um, yeah, yeah, it's just because I think in his mind, nobody's gonna get hurt, right? It's that kind of overconfidence, um, that is both in character for Ford and also like an enzyme thing where, um, I don't think he thinks that they're going to get hurt on the mission. Cause like he said, they're the best at what they do. Uh, John's the best pilot. Uh, and using Rodney as collateral, like he, it's his own people. Like he knows that no one's going to hurt him. No one's going to really hurt Rodney. So yeah. 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 I think definitely there's no doubt in my mind that he was being sincere. He tries to play it off. as like, I'm just manipulating you. Um, <laughs> like that's what Ford is kind of like in general. I think he has even again before the enzyme like Tor mentioned, um, there are hints of him sort of like having those insecurities and he sort of mention them aloud or he'll like be really reactive to some of them. Um, you know, and then it also just makes me wonder like how long were the writers planning this, right? Because I think by the storm they probably knew or they had an inkling that it wasn't working out in their minds with Ford. Because Rex, right, that's when we get him being an absolute asshole to Carson for those <laughs> two episodes, um, and a lot of him trying to prove himself and him, him trying to like have you know a tight grip on this little team so he can like save everyone. And I think it, the pressure—I don't know what it is—but um, so yeah, it's very in character. Everything he does this episode is pretty in character, and again, I think it's just in character for him to say the truth even though, like, he's trying to play it off as, like, no, I lied to you. Like, no, no, you didn't. <laughs> he's a 25-year-old. He's a little guy. No, you didn't. Like, he tries so hard to be older than his years or, like, smarter, not also smarter than he is, but, like, you know, more courageous and, like, all these things. Like, he tries so hard to be, like, the guy that knows everything. Um, but it's like, sorry, you don't have to. <laughs> you don't have to, girl. Like who who put that in you? Um and so yeah, no, I do think he was sincere. A hundred percent. Which makes it even sadder. I mean this whole episode's just like kind of sad, like sorry, this this whole podcast is just gonna be just talking about sad stuff. I swear there's some funny stuff later, but there are just some lines I was gonna point out. Obviously the you taught me that will forever my soul. <laughs> yeah haunting haunting literally and then the always underestimating underestimating me shepherd mm, that's another insecurity one speaking oh. yeah he he hates that mm-hmm. we know he hates that that's very in character for him to hate that and then which one was the other one? Oh. I don't know why this one was like so hurtful when he said uh that he dialed the first friendly gate he could remember oh yeah that was so sad to me for some reason i was like wow that's sad i can just like picture little ford you know on the enzyme just trying to frantically remember any friendly gates in his mind and then just like typing you know running them in just like running through every gate to try to get away from atlantis which is so sad place he called home he's so desperate to get away from 
And he tries, oh, not to, oh, we're getting so depressed. But, like, he tried to build, build his own home again. He tried so hard to make his basically like a replica of Atlantis, like Tor was mentioning earlier, like, the fake John, the fake Rodney. But he is the leader this time. He's the one in charge. Like, no. This is going horribly. Like, you don't have mental capacities for this right now, sir. And neither does anyone else on that team because they're all in the enzyme as well. They're all cuckoo bananas crazy. Um, and they're like, yeah, Wraith Hive ship. Great plan, boss. And everyone else is like, no, what are you doing? Um, yeah, it, the Lost Boys is just like a perfect title for this, for this episode. I love it so much. Actually, this is a random little detail, but I love it because it's so Lost Boys of this group to be like we don't need the parents i'm your dad we're the mom and dad now like we're gonna sanction every mission like we're gonna get you on drugs like they're just going ham over here um (laughs) yeah and i think um despite everything that's still like from his original character that still shines through there's still like he's he's changed and I think one of the moments where I was like, oh shit, okay, he, like, w- what happened to you? One of when he, or when we saw the flashback of them imprisoning Wraith, like live Wraith, um, to get a continuous stream of the enzyme, I guess. And that horrified me because isn't that basically what, what the Wraith do? They cocoon their humans, so they have food later. But that really stood out to me. I was like, okay, he, he, yeah. There's this new part of him, and that's, it's very scary. Very calculating. I want to do a little transition into something happier for a quick second. I was just going to mention how fucking funny it is that the team got kidnapped (laughs) in the beginning. Yeah. They got jumped hella quick that yeah. was not a fight no and I feel like it was partially Rodney's fault for making so much conversation when they're trying to be walking and and I guess they didn't know they were gonna run into an ambush but it was still really funny although I have to admit part of Rodney's argument was valid why did they never go to a tropical beach planet Good question. I would have a beach episode. Guys, come on. Robbed. <laughs> they have beaches in Canada. Hello. Yeah. I live like close to one. It's fake one, but it's there. <laughs> it's actually a lake, but that's fine. No one has to know. It's a beach a episode. It's a beach. Even a lake. We'll take a lake episode. A little um Cabin in the Woods-esque horror episode on the lake? Come on. Yeah. They had one lake in, in SG-1. Oh, I yeah, think, they did. they continued to go. Not the pond, not, like not Jack's pond, but they had like this one lake. And I'm trying, I think, maybe it also appeared like in one episode of Atlantis, but other than that, it's always just like... Was that the one that they used um, when Daniel's coming out of the ocean and, and ocean? In uh, <laughs> fire and water, or oh, that was oh maybe I was like, that's an actual beach. 
Yeah, because that was an actual That's beach. True. Yeah, that yeah. looked like a beach beach. That was the one yeah. beach episode they went to. Was that yeah. one? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but there was also one, and oh, I don't remember. Oh, the episode. What's it called? Uh, the episode where Sam is overtaken by Jolinar. There's Lake, and I think that like they just reused a bunch of times. <laughs> um. I could be wrong though. Maybe there are more than one or two lakes. <laughs> but there's definitely one that re- reappeared a few times. Yeah. No, I was gonna say I was like compared to freaking SGU, SGU were just <sighs> flown down to New Mexico to go to this nice, pristine white desert for the pilot. I'm like, what the fucking pilot? Lucky. That's not SU slander, but I'm just like, damn, like, they don't want to give us some money over here for little poor Atlantis to go down, like, two streets to go film at a beach? Like, no. damn. No. Never. Nothing for the middle child. <laughs> <laughs> We're suffering. We get the leftover writers, the shitty ones, no money. Oh, no. The shade is being thrown. It's true. So many gay people, they're like, no. <laughs> I gotta shut this shit down. <laughs> oh man. Ooh. You're not wrong. Although I will say the banter in this episode was like off the charts, including that opening scene. It was really great. Um another funny thing that Rodney brought up in that conversation was the fact that he's like never in his lab. Like the team one always goes on every mission and like He's never on Atlantis. I wonder what scientific advancements could possibly have been made if he was actually, like, allowed to work in his lab for longer than two hours without interruption. Or maybe they're more productive without him there because they have Zlanka. Who knows? I could be wrong. Zlanka, Zlanka best boss. Mm-hmm. Not wrong, though. He really had a... He had- Two good points there. He was talking a lot, but he had good points. Because it's true. Why do they have to go on every little mission? Why couldn't they have sent a little recon bug? Or, you know, a little recon bug. A little, I was thinking of a mouth. Why couldn't they have sent, like, yeah. a little recon, um, like, little team? And they could have been like, oh my god. Oh, you guys want the real? You guys want, like, the main ones? Okay, BRB. Like, you know, just, like, send the little guys out there. And then if they're like, we want to meet with the your leaders, then you send out John and the SGA team. And even then, you should, if they're like, let's meet our leader, send out Elizabeth with, you know, AR1 escorting her. True. They should have been more like bodyguards to take Elizabeth out to the world. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like that, kind of, that should have been more of their role. And then obviously like the big like world ending, we need you guys race over here. But like they really should have just been more of like I don't know, like half and half, half in Atlantis, half on the field. Where I feel like for them, it's like 90% field <laughs> and like 10% in Atlantis. I mean, the team is called Atlantis Reconnaissance 1. True. So they are the number one beacon team. True. <laughs> <laughs> True, but they didn't want to send out like... 
team two or team three some days. Like, <laughs> yeah, <I think laughs> it's a rotation. Guys running around. Also, is Lorne is that like the second team? I want to say they're like AR two for sure. Because I feel like they are just like cleaning up after <laughs> <laughs> one. Yeah, I can't say, it, it, we saw it in this episode. They were just like running around trying to find them. I mean, it was an extreme uh, situation, but still, they were just like. They knew the drill. There was the scene where um, there were a few cute scenes between Elizabeth and Lauren. I, I really, really like their dynamic. It's really fun. Um, but, oh, what was it? Oh, yeah, something. Elizabeth was like, oh, yeah, they're, they're overdue. And he's like, oh, yeah, that's nothing new. And um, it's so cute how everyone knows that how attached Elizabeth is to, like, this team um and it kind of slips out in this uh, in this conversation and she's like no i'm not <laughs> basically <laughs> trying to deny that it's really really funny and i don't i don't think she even gives him an order but she said that oh can you please still go look for them and he's like yeah okay but ready and like he, he knows the drill so this this happens all the time he, they, he always has to check up on um AO1 it's so funny it's it was so good Lauren this episode is just so so long suffering and so funny it's like uh those guys again like sort of mentality he just dragged AR1 the whole episode. He was like, wouldn't be the first time they're late for check-in. Wouldn't be the first time they didn't call before leaving a planet. You know those guys. Like, just completely throwing them under the bus with Elizabeth. It's just so great. So great. It's funny how to Elizabeth, I feel like Team 1 is simultaneously the favorite, but also the problem child. Like... <laughs> There's no, oh, yeah. there's no in between. And I mean, her instincts are right. They were in trouble. Yeah. Yep. When are they not? <laughs> <laughs> yep. True. True. I was going to say though, something I really appreciated about all of the little Lorne and Elizabeth scenes, um, is that again, it just it's something I I appreciate about Memphis as a whole is how like it just feels so different. You could never imagine the situation at the SGC. Imagine Lloyd <laughs> saying this to Hammond. Imagine Lloyd saying this to Landry. Oh. He'd be kicked out of the face oh. if <laughs> Landry. He'd be fired on the spot. Because Landry's a sassy man. Landry does not take anyone's shit. True, true. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's a very sassy man. And even Hammond, would, I feel like, would be like, a little, like, yeah. why would you say that to me? Like, I'm a general, you know? So, Elizabeth does correct Lauren hella quick. She's a little eyebrow, like, you said what? And he's like, I'm out the door. He's like, yeah, I'm gonna go find them for you. And it's like, he he corrects himself. But I think it's just such a funny, it's just a nice, relaxing dynamic that he can come back and be like, oh, how are you worried about them? And she's like, yeah. And he's like, well, you know, they do this a lot. And she's like, no, I'm being serious. Like, go out there. And he's like, oh, shit, yeah. Like, you know, like, they have such a nice rapport that they can kind of be casual. But when he's too casual, she's like, no, find them. And he's like, okay, yes, I will for you, queen. Um, so, yeah, I just I just love that, how casual it is and nice. Yeah, I think, yeah, I mean, it's definitely because, like, she's not military. 
Um, but he still uh, respects her, and in the end. And I like that they continue this, that Lauren and Elizabeth have this yeah, relationship, this dynamic. I think maybe it started earlier, but I definitely remember Condemned as one of the first time where it kind of where it's kind of seemed because it's very protective of her or like he and his team are just like her bodyguards in that <laughs> scene it's really and i feel like that's where this dynamic started and i'm really glad that we got to see it again and yeah in this episode it's just peak well i was gonna say speaking of sort of elizabeth and like her love for the team i feel like the team emphasis was really nice in this episode hmm. you know we've kind of Oh, especially me. I've been slandering up and down a lot of these team episodes. I just feel like the stories just haven't been up to par. But I feel like I think the story, again, I think the story and sort of the character moments like fit well in this episode, especially in the next episode, because that's when we actually get more of like the actual plot of sort of the main of these two episodes. Um, but I think that a lot of the character moments and the team moments were just so great. Like, I just love how, like, passionate John was about the team this episode. Like, you can see it. His heart is on his sleeve in a way that, like, I was, like, kind of like, whoa. Like, we know he cares for the team, but I think this is probably one of the first few episodes where he's, like, very protective. Like, to the point where I was, again, I was just shocked because, again, coming off of, like, you know, just these, you know, he's so, like, sometimes, like, I'm the cool guy, like, I don't care. But this episode, he was like, oh, I fucking care. Like, he, <laughs> it was out there for everyone to see. He cannot hide it. Um, just, like, in little moments, like, just starting from when they wake up after they were kidnapped, he immediately asks everyone, are you guys okay? He's like, are you guys okay? And again, throughout this entire episode, he's like, when he finds out the team is drugged, he is so pissed. He is not having it. And then when he tries to take him to the gate to get them to go get out, and then he's like, okay, we'll try to play along so we can try to get out of here. And he's, like, worried about when Taylor's like, oh, no, we don't have to take the drug. We'll try to fight it. And he's like, they're going to force you into it. Like, go along with it. You know, he's constantly, I feel like, thinking of his team. I think he's really stepped up as a real leader this season. I think season one, you can kind of, they obviously didn't know what to do with his character as much. He was kind of, like, a little too casual sometimes, a little too crazy in other ones, and so they needed, you know, Ronan type character. But I think we start to sort of see, I don't know, maybe the best, but like his character fully fleshed out, I think. And I mean, one of the his biggest personality traits is how much he cares about his team and his people. So yeah, it's just really nice to see him in this episode, all overprotective. Yeah, he certainly was um, firing on all. Uh, team leader cylinders this episode um super uh what other moment was i thinking of oh yeah even when he got to see ford's team in action when they uh him taylor and what's his name i don't remember now whatever his name was they went on that mission and there was a casualty like one of the guys got killed and john was like this is okay for you like having casualties on missions and the guy was like yeah like it's whatever meanwhile if it was john we know that that would not be okay and that would totally not fly um just not not liking that at all uh even john trying to corral everybody when they're 
going crazy off the enzyme. I particularly like the scene where Rodney's kind of flipping out um, about having to fix the dart. And <laughs> he, like, takes him to the little meadow and is like, listen, this is my plan. Are you understanding? And Rodney was like, oh, okay, okay, I get it. I I really liked that moment. I always love the um, Rodney management moments of people on the team, uh, especially John, and, and that one was really good. Um, even uh, Rodney apologizing, I was, like, shocked. I was like, wow, saying you're sorry? Holy crap. We never hear that from Rodney. Um, but, yeah. Even when he was talking to Ford, too, um, at near the end of the episode, uh, when Ford was talking about how he wanted to go home, like, just the way, usually, you know, we don't think of John as the type to want to talk about feelings or being really good at uh, dealing with other people's emotions and stuff, but, like, he was really kind about the situation, like, telling him straight up that he had nothing to prove to anybody on Atlantis, and if he wanted to come home, like, they were ready to bring him home and talking about his family at home, like all this really emotional stuff. And yeah, I was, I was very impressed by him this episode. There's also the scene where, um, when they're inside the hive ship and he, um, beams them off. Um, but he does, he, he's blind. He's basically bang, uh, flying blind and he's accidentally sending three people off the cliff. Um, Oops. And Ford tells him about that, and he's instantly he's like, oh, Taylor and Ronan, all right. And Ford calls him all uh, out of that, and says, oh, are they the only people you care about? Which, like, yeah. Kind of. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> At this point, yes, because he kind of lost Ford. <laughs> Um, and, uh, the course of this, um, episode. But yeah, I think that's another instance of, like, what a team leader. I don't want to say dad. He's not a dad. Um, <laughs> but I. <laughs> no, I was literally going to say, I was like, he's so, like, team dad this episode. <laughs> so, like, gotta make all sure all my kids are okay. He's like, which kid is okay? And I was gonna say, like, in the Rodan and Kayla scene, when they're, like, sparring, he's just like, what the fuck? And he tries to and he just back down. Like, it's so... It's John and trying to manage, like, ten toddlers running around with, like, sticks. He's like, yeah. don't do that! Or he's like, he's like, yeah. I love you. No, wait! Listen to me. <laughs> he's just managing. It's the meme of, like, the one person holding a leash. <laughs> Um, and looking super tired, and this other person, or in this case, like, three or four people are just, like, completely feral. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. So basically, John would be a great daycare worker. Yeah. We learned from this episode. Yes. Also- Hey, good money to see him thrown into daycare with a bunch of five-year-olds. That would be crazy. They should have done that for an episode. I would have died. Babysitting all these Pegasus Galaxy kids. They should Maybe. send him back on the on the planet with the children now that we're in season two. Um, give Zelenka a break and just send him back there to take care of them. Yeah, like he loses a bet with Zelenka one night, or like loses chess and <laughs> in the bar. <laughs> yeah, and then it's his turn to go. Oh, terrible! He comes back and he's like, 
I mean, he's like goes to Rodney and he's like, I need you to help me. <laughs> he's he's like, I need you to teach me how to get better at chess. Otherwise, like, I will never lose to Zelenka again. <laughs> Terrible punishment. Also, John is a big ass nerd in this episode. Um, yeah. first of all, excellent flying. Besides, like killing those three people. Oops, not his fault. You couldn't oh. really see. Um. <laughs> But, like, the fact that he was talking to the dart, like, it was a person, um, you know, he did that with all his planes. And calling it R2, like, you are not, (laughs) you are not Anakin Skywalker, okay? Like, as much as you want to be right now in this episode. So Anakin Skywalker coded. Mm -hmm. If he, like, took, like, three steps to the right, (laughs) he's Anakin. (laughs) He's Anakin. I don't care, if, like, what Emil says, he's an Anakin Skywalker variant. I will take this to my grave. He's I can see it. Variant, variant. The, the Aemon Targaryen in him. <laughs> oh. Give him, like, a good, like, seven steps to the left this time, and he's there. <laughs> seven this time. <laughs> yeah. A bit of a longer one, but he's, he'll get there. He just needs some really bad evil shit to happen to him, and then he'll get there. More evil shit, because... Instead of the daddy issues, he needs the mommy issues as well. He needs both. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Yup. He's got mommy issues, but like he needs like like ten times more mommy issues. They need to be more explicit than his abandonment yeah, issues, yeah. which we'll get to. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> also needs like a little scar as well. Oh yeah. He's too pretty boy right now. Mm-hmm. Also, since we're talking about John moments, like the the opening when they get kidnapped and the like taking the bags off everyone's head. Um, his line to Ford's minion is so, like, weirdly flirty snarky with the enemy, like, what? Say again? Um, something about dinner. <laughs> yeah. I, <laughs> like, if you wanted to, puppy. yeah, like, if you wanted to ask us, to, like, if you wanted to get us to dinner, all you had to do was ask. <laughs> and I was like, John. Time and place. I lo- oh, he's so funny. He's trying to flirt his way out of it, and the guy just stares at him. I'm like, I'm sorry, John. I'm sorry that your very gay line didn't work out for you. <laughs> it worked on. It was on a stray man. A stray man. It, it would have worked any any other time. Yeah, flopped terribly. Unfortunately, he was like, oh, never mind. Like wrong crowd. I was like, baby, that would have smashed anywhere else. <laughs> oh man. Okay. Speaking of the gay undertones am i the only one that was like cracking up with (laughs) thor's like blonde scientist and rodney yeah i was just gonna say that i was like okay there's something weird going on here like in the scene where um chase i think his name was is like touring rodney through the lab i was like hmm (laughs) boy hey yeah no no the one part where he First of all, he, oh, he did, like, oh, he was so smart about it. First of all, he called him a doctor. Oh! Doctor. And then he said, like, can you help or something? And, like, you used two of Rodney's, like, favorite words. Like, <laughs> <laughs> help and doctor. He was like, Rodney was like, yeah, I'll help you. Like, of course. Like, he literally buttered him up so perfectly. It was hilarious. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Rodney himself in this episode was so funny. Um, the fact that he's a nervous eater made me laugh really hard because I'm the total opposite. Like, I can't eat if I'm nervous. 
So him just like nervously eating the salad in the beginning was just great. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, everyone had like, again, like the little moments I think are what really like elevate this episode. I mean, not only just like the acting and like the emotional stake in it, but it is like, I know we've been talking about that quite seriously. There are like some really like just funny little details. Like, yeah, like the way he's like panicking while shoving the salad in his face. <laughs> I also, I love the scene. It's just so, I mean, Ronan has some great scenes in this as well. Mm. Um, when he first, like, uh, what, no, at the end of the little dinner scene and he's, like, just pissed and he just, like, circles forward like a hawk and then he gets his coat and he throws the chair on the floor and he <laughs> walks away. Like, it's so angry cat energy. Like, it's like that old ass cat that has, like, two people that it likes and you just, like, took it away from its home and he just like a crotchy little like he's just doing things to piss you off because he's like take me back or like give me back to my friends that's Vernon he's just like throwing chairs tries to like leave up and kill for like he's like not he's out of his element and he's not having it the sass was strong what is that one part uh when John's like oh you can untie us like we won't hurt you right Ronan and Ronan's just like yeah and it's like Ronan cannot lie to save his life he's like itching to like beat the shit out of four. He's ready. Like, catching him off guard. Yeah. He was ready the whole episode. Yeah, like, when did they have that much beef? I was like, damn. For, <laughs> like, especially, like, for, for it, I feel like it was just more, like, kind of, like, you know, like, curious, like, sort of, like, who are you? And, like, little, like, maybe, like, subtle digs. But, like, it was just straight up, like, hostile on, Ron- on Ronan's side. I was like, what did they see to you? And then I remembered, I was like, oh, is it because they were, like, evenly matched in runner because mm-hmm. they like didn't you know ronan didn't win is he kind of like salty about that and then we get that scene of him watching ford trainer he's just like staring at ford and ford comes over like i'm not the bad guy and ronan doesn't really say anything that entire conversation he's just like staring at ford like i will get your ass and it's like oh my god this is so funny their energy was so awesome this episode i i really enjoyed that yeah, and then, but, but again, they were, like, so hostile to each other, right? And then again, you know, going towards the end of the episode, which we haven't really talked that much about, but I was going to say, there's that one scene of uh, Ford and Ronan together fighting. They have that little scene together. It's like, okay, like, so in times of, like, trouble, they will, you know, put aside their differences and fight it out together. Stronger as a team. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's when they are getting captured. They're the last to standing and then okay they're still taken down i think i think ronan's the last one yeah they're like back to back like he's like yeah 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 okay like see if they can they could have had a fun relationship if thor had super i'm like oh there's there's something there they could have worked yeah i had to laugh when jumping a bit earlier to a bit earlier again when they have this kind of long scene, and I think Ford starts with "We're cool, right?" I'm like, "Have you have you looked at Ronan during this episode? Does he look like you're cool?" It's really quite the opposite. It was, it was kind of funny to me. And yeah, Ronan is just so ready to jump. Like another part we had to laugh was right in the beginning when they are still tied up. And Roman doesn't even need to be untied to, like, jump up in his chair <laughs> to go in for it. So, yeah, he, he was so ready to fight. 
I also really enjoyed how Ronan and Taylor was, were having way too much fun beating each other up over salad. Oh my gosh. Like, it was yes. just oh, hilarious, like, peak sibling energy in that scene, where you're, like, you're, like, six and eight, and, like, you beat your, your younger sibling. Like, that was the energy I was getting <laughs> from that scene. Just really so fun. You know what's so funny, though? That was the only, that's the only scene I have ever felt I was, like, Okay, I was like, maybe there is some chemistry beyond. <laughs> oh, really? That was the only time because I, I literally wrote down. I was like, where are they about to fuck? <laughs> I was like, question mark. I was like, what? But I think just because they were like very like, ooh, they're like you know doing little shoulder shimmy while they're like, yeah, getting ready to fight. So it was more of like the fighting tension, I guess. But I was like, that's the only time I've ever seen something like and chemistry. I was very yeah, I was like, what is this? <laughs> I was like, what's going on here? Um, and then John had to ruin it. And <laughs> Ford knocked his ass out. Ford was like, get the fuck yeah. out of here. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I do, since we're on Taylor. Mm. Bam. We need to keep like a running counter of like episodes they've done her dirty. Because at this point. Not doing much. More than half. What happened to her this episode? I think. The worst thing, I think that was just, like, it doesn't make any sense. In the beginning of the episode, uh, once Ford told them that they are holding live Wraith at their cave, she's like, what? You have Wraith here that are alive? Why? Why would Taylor be the one to ask that? She is the one who can sense the Wraith. It doesn't make any fucking sense that she didn't pick on that, uh, pick up on that earlier. That annoyed me so much. And I think it's really, again, sorry, again, the writers, a mistake on their side. Because yeah. why why wouldn't she sense them, even if it's a cave? Like, it's not like radio. No, it's proximity. Um, yeah, so they gave her that. I was like, no. And then, yeah. It's sorry. not like they're in hibernation, either. Like, they, they were just there. Yeah. Yeah. And there are three other people on the team that can and cannot sense the rape, so one of them could have asked and be equally shocked. <laughs> it, it, it reminded me a little bit of, like, you know how there's this thing that women in media are often the ones who are like, oh, what are we supposed to do? Mm. And it reminded me a lot of that. That she's the one who, what? How is this possible? Um, thing. Yeah, she could have been like, I feel rape. Yeah. Instead of like, why? You know? <laughs> yeah. Just not like her being the one who's the least surprised that they're right there. Yeah. Anything but her her ask that question. Although I did think it was cool how they had mentioned that the Wraith are actually changing their tactics because of her. Yeah. That's pretty yeah. sick. The fact that they are now fighting amongst each other because of Taylor, mm. like the presence of somebody who can like read their thoughts. They don't want to share information anymore because she could read one ship and then know all is really, really cool. Although she doesn't use that power very often, <laughs> if at all. Um, I like that they mentioned that it is changing the way the yeah. Wraith are operating with each other. It's pretty, it's pretty cool, Taylor. That you did that. 
Although she wasn't in the scene where they mentioned that, so that was kind of a bummer. Yeah, but but just in general that we learn that there are, in fact, Wraith factions. We didn't know that before, I think. Or not as explicit. Uh, as explicit. Um, and yeah, there are factions, and they hate each other, and they are fighting each, uh, among each other, and they're trying to come up with new tactics to uh, protect themselves, and it's partly because of Taylor. That's that's so interesting. It's those crumbs of race lore that I really, really love. Yeah. I No, no, no. I love it, too. I just wish we kind of got more yeah, of sort of, like, Taylor like, impacting it, right? Because mm. it sort of kind of just came out of nowhere. It's like a little hint drop that, like, oh, yeah, Taylor's the one who, like, changed the game, and then they don't, like, use her power really ever. Like, they don't... I think the next time she uses her power, at least the one that I remember, is in season three. Um, that one episode where they go down to they find the Wraith Queen. Mm-hmm. Oh, Immersion. Submersion. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love it. Yeah, great uh, what about when does she become the queen? Is that in season four? Five. Five? Oh, oops. Never mind then. <laughs> I thought yeah. it was earlier. Okay. Yeah. I mean, maybe like, again, we don't remember, obviously, so maybe there are more like scenes of her using her powers more, but I wish, especially because it's such a huge thing, that I think, again, they changed their whole tactics just because of her. And then for her never to use it, really, is such a little waste. The, the weird thing about Taylor in this episode, though, is and I think it comes back to more of her not having an established sort of, not an established character, but like a personality. Right? Like, sometimes she can be kind of it's not obviously the fault of the actress or anything. It's just more of like the writers, I feel like, right? Sometimes her personality is just, I don't know how to describe it, like, just there, I guess is the best way, right? Because the thing is, they actually do stuff with her in this episode, kind of, right? They send her on the mission with John, where she goes off the, you know, she goes off world, and then she comes back, she's doing a little fighting thing with Ronan, which is cute, and then she goes on the actual mission again with the team. But, it doesn't feel like she did anything. And I think it's because there's like a lack of character distinction. And I think unfortunately, since they've shoved her into like the serious alien type role, and like we also have Ronan now, who's the serious alien alien type role. And so it's like, I feel like sometimes they just kind of like divide the scenes of, okay, generic alien says this, and they give it to either, and most of the time they just give it to her, because she probably ends up having the least lines anyways. Um, which is really, really sucky, especially when it comes to Ford. I think her relationship, and we talked about this, you know, her relationship with Ford is just really underused. And I especially felt it, I mean, we were, like, pissed during Runner, the fact that she had, like, one line being, oh, where's Ford? Like, Ford talked to us, and, like, that's it. It was crazy to me. And this episode... Does it even, I guess in a worse way, but it like, it equally pisses me off because I think this episode, they highlight an aspect that I, I didn't like about Ford and Taylor's relationship where I feel like before it could kind of be like older brother or sorry, older sister, little brother type of thing. And this episode, it just feels like Taylor is his mom. And I hate that. I feel like she's like parenting him. 
almost, right? Because then she has that scene of him out there outside by the dart, and she's like talking to him, Aiden, don't do this. And he's like, I'm doing it, like, give him your weapon. And the, the scene that really got me, though, got me really fucking pissed, is when they're in the Wraith Hive ship, and John's like on the radio, and he's like, listen to me, and Four turns it off, and she's like, Aiden, like, turn it back on. And he just goes, um, I forgot what he says to her, but he's just very dismissive. He's just like, I'm not going to do that. Or like, stop talking. Like, we're in this hallway. And I'm just, oh, that enraged me to hell. Because not only is she just like not in this, or she just doesn't have like a consistent personality sometimes. It's like, on top of that, you know, she's been forced into this like mothering role where she's like cleaning up after him and telling him and like looking at me like Aiden don't do this like it's that whole like you know the joke of like the picking girls that are like don't do this look at me look at me like I can fix you like like that's how she feels in this episode where she's like Aiden don't do that like telling a little kid like not to like throw his toe on the ground like if John was like sort of like the funny helicopter parent like she's like the I don't know she's just like the you know like she got the shit the shit end of the stick of the parenting <laughs> Where he got all the fun emotional moments and she's like, clean your house, you know, clean your house, move your toys. Like, eh. Yeah. Taylor in this episode, I feel like you said she's often, she's just there. But I, I, I try to think about it and but it's true. She doesn't, it doesn't really feel like she has, like that her being there has any impact on how the story progresses and that's really really sad for a main character because um for Ronan I feel like he also was mostly there but then he had this rivalry with a Ford which kind of gave him a bit more um to do and then we saw him fighting a bit more like on the mission and we didn't see that with Taylor that much and maybe to Add a little bit to what you just said, Sam, about her being like the mothering character. Also, there's the scene just after she and Ronan try to beat each other up. Um, they're talking about like the enzyme and how it feels and that it's, that they feel good and that, um, yesterday they were late to administering it and it, like, she felt horrible and, um, I felt like Taylor was the only one on the enzyme who was kind of like uh, questioning it a little bit, but then also getting like more on the side of the um, enzyme. So it's a little bit her responsibility again to like keep a clear head while Rod, uh, not Rodney, but while Ronan can just like, or his character is allowed to like go off on this enzyme and have his fun with it like she she still has to be the brain cell <laughs> yeah 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 and you know we make you know the jokes that like oh yeah like yeah she's like has the one brain cell like oh yeah she's yeah. like the mom of the group it's her but, team <laughs> yeah but it's, i guess it's it's different sort of i guess kind of I don't want to say like it's different when we do it, but it is. <laughs> um, <laughs> because I think we're trying to work with what we've been given, right? I think a lot of people 
do that, especially with Taylor, who we've been like told is like the serious one or like the most responsible one. So we try to like make it more fun and be like, whoa, she, she has the only brain cell. Like the other ones would be lost without her. So we try to give her like a like a more important role than what they've given her. And I think another one I just mentioned too that I think is cute in sort of out of context. It's cute, but in this context that we've been talking about, I'm like, oh wait, ew, when John is um knocked out and he wakes up in the wraith l and his lap is in his head is in taylor's lap now that i'm looking at this with this context i'm like before i was like okay that's kind of like whatever cute like oh how like how sweet you know she's like are you okay like head and lap but now i'm just like after her being forced into this mother role no why couldn't his head have been in ronan's lap ronan (laughs) would have done that for him oh is number one John Stan. True. Yeah. I was just gonna say, I, I get what you guys mean. I, I don't know, like, it's just a feeling I have where um, the boys kind of all have this unique thing going on in the episode. Um, and I just feel like Taylor's bit, like, is just nothing. And I don't know if that's, like, internalized misogyny speaking or like there's really nothing going on with her in this episode but it just feel like there's nothing happening with her in this episode like rodney has the whole fixing the dart thing learning with the science dude relationship with ford interesting um you know john has this whole like trying to manage the team trying to protect the team um trying to figure out what's coming on with ford uh ronan has this like weird relationship with Ford going on in the episode and then Taylor just like has nothing I just feel like she has nothing like I don't feel any of the relationship that she had with Ford in season one that we saw glimpses of like I don't see it I don't feel it um there was no mention from Ford of Taylor like being cool or badass or whatever really uh like he was talking about Rodney being the best at what he does, and John being the best at what he does, flying. Um, There's no mention of Taylor. Um, And, like, the stuff that was about her was mentioned when she was not there uh, to, like, comment on it or be a part of it. So it's like, like, maybe they could have done something with her in the plan, like, mention, like, oh, you know, Taylor, like, use your Jedi mind tricks on the, the Wraith to, like, do something. Like, I don't know. Involve her in the mission instead of being, like, the muscle. Like, I, like she's, all she is is, like, an extra soldier on this mission. Yeah. So it's like, meh. Yeah. Yeah. Here's the, I think, I mean, obviously, Stargate has never been good at writing women. <laughs> but it's, like, no yeah. question there. But I just feel like they have a really hard time, I think, with, like, women in power. Like, Elizabeth, you know. And then I also think it even kind of extends to Sam sometimes in SG-1. Where they never really knew how to... They couldn't even write her as, like, the leader after Jack left. So they had to get Cam in. No, I love Cam. Don't get me wrong. And I like his leadership skills. And I like that he's not the leader, quote-unquote. He's just, like the guy they sometimes ask what they should do you know but they couldn't even let sam be the leader of su1 they had no idea how they would have written that so they had to get another guy um so yeah sorry has never been good at this 
But I just think it's so, ugh, it's just so frustrating because how are you going to have a show with like, like some of your main characters are women and like not have like any really writers or like not put in the effort to like make them actual characters, especially coming off of, sorry, I was just, um, I just made Akira Jezia edit. That's so random, but I just made an edit for them. And I was just so struck by their dynamic and by their relationship while collecting scenes and just, like, putting them together. I was just like, wow, like, this is honestly, like, one of, like, I could not, obviously I haven't watched that much sci-fi yet, but I was like, this is, like, the best, like, female dynamic, ship them or not, just, like, mm-hmm. in general, yeah. in sci-fi that I've seen. Because it just feels so real. They're allowed to have fun. They're allowed to, like, tease each other all the time. You know, but they're also there for each other. Like, they can do so much. And it's just mind-blowing to me that that was written in, like, the 90s. And then we have, you know, you know, 10, you know, I don't know how many years later. And then we have Atlantis that's, like, so bad at it. And even, like, other shows, you know, I'm not going to, like, just throw Atlantis under the bus. Like, come on, Battlestar Galactica? Girl, who, female re- relationships, where? Where? <laughs> You know, friendships where? Tell me where right now. Like, you know, like, and I get it. It's hard. It's hard. Like, you know, I I would feel kind of awkward sometimes, you know, like writing for, like, from a guy's, about a guy's, you know, friendship or like a dynamic that's, you know, because obviously that's not my experience. You need people that have these experiences on your team to fully bring to life those characters and the point you're trying to make. And I just think, I feel like they took the easy route and they were like, oh, let's put these girls in power to show, like, oh, girl power. And then they <laughs> don't have any power, really. They're just yeah. figureheads. They're just yeah. figureheads for the show. Because then when you look closer, there's, like, like there's nothing to Taylor's character, really, unfortunately. Yeah. Like, her personality. Like, what makes, what, what, what does she like? What does she dislike? I think, yeah, one last thing just about, I mean, no, yeah, not only was obviously, like, Taylor's in this episode more, we're talking more about her, but obviously we've talked about at length, you know, how they fucked up with Elizabeth. But I think what's good, or at least the bare minimum with Elizabeth's performance, though, is that, like, you can, like, kind of, like, tell her personality. Like, you can, like, kind Mm. of see, like, either Tori or maybe just, like, Tori's personality coming through or just like something she put into Elizabeth but I feel like you kind of can get a grip at the very least of who Elizabeth is as a person I think they mm-hmm. more have failed as well sometimes obviously they kind of didn't do a great job with her backstory either but like you know they more failed on showing her like in power sometimes and just like showing her outside of like two lines she gets corrupt so this <laughs> is where it's like, where's the team? And then they're like, anyways, flashback to the team on you know this mission right now. Um, you know, and it, it sucks for both of them. Like, I'm not trying to compare yeah. the two because both yeah. have done wrong. But it's just, yeah. it's so frustrating because they have, it was like Taylor, sorry, they have Taylor on, like, on the team. Like, she's going yeah. on missions with them and it's like, I don't get, if they couldn't write, like, the princess, like, the leader of the serious like why did they write the serious like i don't know why they chose to go back to the serious archetype alien archetype i don't know it's very rare that works right like spock and like 
sometimes Teal, they messed up Teal half the time too. Um, so I just don't know why they would try that again. I just don't know if it really works very well. And yeah, it's not going to get any better, unfortunately. <laughs> but maybe one tiny positive thing about Taylor in this episode is we did see her fight again. Um, which I'm always happy to see because that's, I did forget about it a lot of times. I feel like, like, they didn't use it like on the mission, but we saw her train, um, and expiring and shit. And yeah, um, it's Pride Month while we're recording this. So happy Pride Month to, to Taylor's arms. <laughs> Hell yeah. Turned a whole, turned a whole generation gay. I know, right? Hell yeah. Yeah. Okay. And yeah, to to, uh, to go back to the um, Ronan and Taylor fight scene was just hilarious to me because she's tiny and he's like, I don't know how big. And she, she was still, she was so ready to fight him. And I, yeah, I, I do love that dynamic. And I know they were high, but it was just hilarious to me. Also how he just pulled her over the table. Tall man. Tall ass man. <laughs> Like she weighed bulky, nothing. Bulky man too. Yeah. And it doesn't matter. I feel like it doesn't matter how tall or small a person is. Like to Ronan, everyone is like a rag doll. Like we will see in the future. He also drags around John this way and Rodney this way too. So and Rodney, yeah. everyone gets the rag doll treatment. Oh, <laughs> he's like my bestie. Is he cannot control his like strength. He's like that guy that just like hugs you a little too hard, picks you up off the ground. He probably broke someone's ribs or like cracked <laughs> someone's ribs at some point while hugging them because he's just yeah cannon. Yeah, I feel like it would be Rodney, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and he would never hear the yeah. end of it. Never, never, never. <laughs> and he immediately runs to Beckett and he's like, "Fix me right now," and then. Uh, Speaking of Ronan and Rodney, uh, the scene at the end, or near the end of the episode, where um, Ford is like, take Rodney back to the base. Ronan was so ready to throw hands. He, like, pulled the sword out so fast. He was like, fuck you. You're not taking Rodney. That was great. I love bodyguard Ronan. He's just so lovely. Yeah, I wanted to bring that scene up earlier in which we were talking about um, team scenes. That even, like, high on the enzyme, they are so ready to jump to Rodney's help. Yeah! Um, that was really endearing and really in character. And, yeah, maybe another sign that, like, the enzyme, it doesn't take everything away from you. Just chases a few things, but you stay, a part of you stays. Yeah, it just enhances the crazy a little bit. Yeah! Yeah. 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 Exactly. Well, I was so happy you mentioned his sword, Ronan's sword, because we get to see him fight with it later on this episode, and it's so cool. I love that they had him just yank out a sword in a race to, and start beating bitches up, and I love that eventually he's like, fuck this, it's not working, throws it to the ground, and pulls out, <laughs> and he starts just blasting. Because it's just so funny. And during that scene, too, in the background, you can see Ford, uh, sorry, Ronan striking off his coat. Because he's, uh, he's like, he's like, fuck, mm. he's like, I need, you know, 
arms and he just shrugs off his coat and starts firing the guns. And I think 10 out of 10 for that. So cute. Yeah. Absolutely. Yep. I just think it's awesome that he has not only his blaster, but like a sword mm-hmm. too. Because it's just like so cool to have both a gun and a sword. It just peak coolness. I don't know, Ronan is just the coolest guy. He is. Yeah. Yeah. He's like the coolest combination. Mm-hmm. So cool. But you know with who he is, you know, I tried to do a fun transition, but it wasn't no work. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> you know who he loves the most? John. Yeah. I need to talk about the Ronan and John this episode. It's so good. I. It's one of those things where I feel like it's always in the background in every episode it's just always subtle it's always there um there's so many great scenes of him in the background one of my favorites though is at the end of the episode when ford and john are like arguing in the cell and you see in the background like rodan's trying to like go up to john and like ford's guys trying to like intimidate him and like stop him and ford oh, sorry i keep mixing them up holy shit um, Ronan just looks down at Ford's guy, and he's just like, you're not, like, I'm gonna get past you. Like, it's just little things, you know, and then when they're threatening to take John, yeah, that happens in this episode, um, Ronan tries to say, like, take me first, right, and they have to, like, shove him, or he gets shot, I don't know what happens, but he gets, like, thrown to the ground, and then John's like, oh, shit, okay, I'll go. Um, no one, they love each other so much, and it's just so unspoken. Like, Ronan is literally the number one John Stam. He would do anything for that man, and that is so real. He is so valid. He's president of the John Can Do Whatever He Wants fan club. This is true. I also feel like um, Rodney is number one uh, John translator in this episode <laughs> as well. I love the scene where. Um, they lay out their plan to Shepard, and Shepard's like, wow, a very sarcastic Owen Wilson, wow. And everyone's like, wow. And Rodney's like, let me translate it. It means your plan is shit. That's what that wow means. And then goes on to talk for hours about how terrible the plan is. I just, I like that. I like the whole Shepard being a few words and Rodney being of many words dynamic. <laughs> I was going to say, I was so happy you brought that up, because I feel like they were so, again, there's obviously not that much Nick Shep in this, but there's some good little crumbs in here. Like, they kind of have such an old married couple vibe throughout this whole episode. Again, like, Rodney translating for John, um, and then John pulling Rodney aside and explaining the plan and being like, listen. Uh, but they start arguing, I think, in front of, like, everyone, and everyone's just watching them argue. <laughs> And it's just so they do not care if they're being held hostage, if Rodney is on drugs. They're just gonna start arguing. Trust them. Start fighting in the middle of anywhere. Yep. Also, of course, love that. I love a good Rodney taken hostage. Team has to get him back moment. I, although I do love John being the princess locked in the tower they have to rescue. <laughs> Um, I also love when it's anyone else of the team because I just love the little moments of the team all being angry. Like, yeah, like Ronan being like, ah, pulling out a sword, Taylor ready, and John like just watching them drive Rodney away. And he's like, this isn't part of the plan. Like, 
10 out of 10 angst. Thank you. Yeah. I don't know. So there's something about Rodney being the damsel in distress that is so great to me. <laughs> I just love it every time. It's so good. It feeds me. All of taking turns in that role, I was thinking about it. I was like, they all love. They love a good uh, take one of the team. Other team has to go get them back. Revenge plot. They are so good at that. Yep. They do it a lot. Um, one thing I just want to mention really quick was, um, I liked that Elizabeth was in this episode and that she had a few scenes, even even if it wasn't with the team. But there was one scene that touched me especially. It's when she's doing the report. She's doing like an oral report, or like yeah, she's recording herself, I think. And she's trying to say um, that the team is presumed dead and she just can't bring herself to say that. I was like, I don't know if it, if she's just like in denial or if she's still like holding on to hope. But that scene was just really, really sweet to me and just showed some of her humanity, I think. And then the other thing I wanted to bring up is we saw more rape. We did. We saw more Wraith tattoos. We did. And and we saw the Wraith Queen, and she also had tattoos. So we were wrong. We were talking about it last last episode, um, that maybe the queens don't have tattoos, but she had tattoos. I was like, oh, interesting. So it's not, maybe it's not a rank thing. But yeah, I thought it was really, like, for me, it was really interesting because we talked about it um, so much, and we're like, theories where the tattoos are coming from and what they mean and who gets them and why but yeah I like that we were completely wrong (laughs) (laughs) unfortunately yes Uh, I was gonna say though I didn't notice this queen's tattoo but I was gonna say I was like this queen was a baddie this queen was mislayful her gorgeous like long white hair mm. she had a little middle part too and then she had a black fit i love her black dress i was like wow i was like that is you went to a great hot topic in space yeah and any woman that not any woman but like any queen that can bring john shepherd to his knees was like yeah yep yeah. yeah. she did it for the I'll girls and the gays thank you <laughs> She did it for the people! John Shepard on his knees, supremacy! Yeah, this is true. Raise the roof. What about that man? It compels them all. It compels us all. Yeah. So I was like, oh, I hope this doesn't awaken anything in me. (laughs) Too late. No, I was going to say, you're just a liar if you don't find John Shepard attractive. I believe you. Depends on the situation. Depends on the situation. When he's on his knees, like, yes. (laughs) It's hard to deny. Yeah. Even if it's just like a fleeting moment of attraction, that's fine. That's I'll take that. I will say, though, again, um, I just really appreciate, like, the emphasis on team this episode. Whether it's Elizabeth worrying about the team, whether it's John worrying about the team, whether it's the team scenes. Mm -hmm. I love that scene of them. Um talking while Ronnie's fiddling with the crystal thing and they're all like trying to come up with a plan <laughs> and it's just like not working um more of that i just love more more team scenes more silly team scenes 
Yes. Agreed. Yeah, it was very about team this episode. Not just like our team, like AO One, but also like Borg and like his former team and his new team or like family, whatever you want to call it. Mm -hmm. So it was like I feel like the grand theme of this episode was team. Yes, I agree. I love that. And our team. (laughs) (laughs) Pose for the invisible cameras that you guys don't see. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Shall we pass it on over to Ash for the Bechdel test? Shall we? (laughs) Oh dear. I have a bad feeling about this one. This this season (laughs) is doing terribly. No. Um... Because, like, usually, for me, it's usually I, I watch the episode, and when the Bechdel test, like, when the, the episode passes the Bechdel test, I, I note it down. But when I'm in the, et- in the end of the episode, and, like, I finish up my notes, I'm like, oh, Bechdel test. And I try to remember, and for the last few episodes, there was never anything nope. there. Nope. And then sometimes when I'm really unsure, um, I just go back through the transcript. But, like, these days, I... Sorry, I don't even bother because, like, I just try to remember the scenes that happened and when there were two women in the same scene, and it's just no. Sorry, when was the last time it passed? Uh, oh, <laughs> good question. Oh, so instinct, I wrote pass ish. Oh, yeah, because um, Elia, Elia and Taylor scene, and yeah, right. Oh, condemned passed, it did, <laughs> it did, yeah. Oh right, because it's is because there's like an assistant, right? And she talks to. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Intruder passed. Oh, intruder. That's like yeah. The beginning of the season. This is uh, two, three episodes so far. The three of ten. Episode ten. Yeah, episode ten. Three out of ten. It's failing. Mm-hmm. That's a failing grade. Yeah. So far. Horrific. Oh, Siege Part 3 passed, I think. Still. Still feeling. Yep. Oh dear. It's a sh- no offense. <laughs> the shit, like, the season. Not not even from that perspective as well, but also, like, SG1. Because, you know, that, that bitch is impacted passing the Bechdel test. Oh, yeah. Sam and Bella are in one episode together <laughs> that season. And Sam and Dr. Lamb don't ever talk or. Doctor, whatever her name is. No. True. God, horrific over there. That was depressing. But I guess we'll also pass it back to us <laughs> behind the scenes. Yeah. So first off, uh, I want to start with the episode title in other languages. Mm. I'm going to try to pronounce it this time, actually. Ooh. I'll look this up. <laughs> so in Russian, I don't speak Russian, so I'm going to try to pronounce it. It's um, Izgoy. And it means the outcast. Ooh, I like that one. In German, it's die verlorenen Männer, which means the lost men. So it's almost the same, but quite. And uh, in French, it's uh, l'union fait la force, première partie. And it means united we stand, part one. Interesting. Different. It kind of coincides with our idea of like the team, like team being our thesis statement for this episode. Hmm. Interesting. I like it. Then I've got a few things from the um, audio commentary. So the first scene um, 
in this episode, the conversation was initially supposed to be about the A team and who would be who, like of the AR one, um, but it was cut for some reason, um, or it was just like changed. Um, then I don't know if we had this before. We probably have, and if so, then I'm just gonna cut it. But Lauren was also supposed to be in only one episode of Atlantis. But it was kind of like with Zelenka that they just liked him so much that they brought him back. Nice. Good choice. Oh, I love that. I did not know. I did not know. Also, the idea of the Wraith infighting had been in the writers' room since the beginning of Atlantis. Um, but they only brought it up now. Or they tried to bring it up for like one and a half years and only now they did it. Nice to know that they kind of planned it. I like that. Yeah. You know the Dodge model that they are working on in this episode? It's the same one from Duet. And it's funny because only the middle part actually exists as a model and it doesn't have a front or a back, which is why they always use the canopies to cover it. Um, and they could only shoot uh, it from certain angles so you wouldn't see that only like a third of the ship actually existed. Oh, and I do like that like shot they do near the end of the episode of the dart when they're getting ready for the mission, like the whole like over the shoulder of the dart. It's pretty cool. It's to be creative. Yeah. This is pretty much a side note, but I was surprised to hear that. Um Martin Martin Garrow, who was who wrote this episode, said that Joe and David have nice chemistry on camera especially in the scene in the field and he said there was a sort of warmth between them this is true it's very true i saw that too (laughs) i felt it stands we live we rise we fight many (laughs) many thousands of people (laughs) felt it as well many many (laughs) in the scene where uh Taylor and Ronan are fighting over salad. Rachel actually hit Jason, um, and you can see it because his eye, like around uh, over his left eye and around his left eye, it's the the skin is turning red, and it just keep ro- kept rolling. But she actually hit him. <laughs> he like didn't have like a terrible reaction to her like really smacking him. So that's. That's good. Way to go, Jason. And way yeah. to go, Rachel. <laughs> I don't think it was supposed to happen, but I think they're usually really careful about that. It worked. The premise for this episode is pretty much uh, like that of the mu- movie Independence Day. In both, an alien ship piloted by human flies into a mothership to plant explosives. There are various similarities between the two, such as a human pilot being exposed to the aliens and the mission mission going wrong. Also, the interior of the Hive ship's docking area is very reminiscent of the interior of the alien mothership in the film. Hmm. Another movie homage. Yeah. It's funny. Yeah. And it's funny because Independence Day is directed and maybe also written by Roland Emmerich who did the original Stargate movie. Oh, hey! Um, this is the first episode uh, to feature the new Wraith spare guns. And they're also the same prop uh, that was used uh, for the Bedrosian rifle in the SG-1 episode New Ground. Oh! 
Weird. I didn't recognize it. Me neither. Nice, nice redressing. Yeah. <laughs> we have a few uh, recurring actors. First off, um, Paul Anthony, who played Jace, um, previously played Baal's um, Lothar in the SG-1 episode Summit and Last Stand. What? Yeah. What? I knew I recognized him, but I couldn't, I couldn't place him. And then I read it, I was like, yeah. Damn. Okay. Yeah. So funny. Woody Jeffries, who plays a guard, previously played also a guard in the SG-1 <laughs> episode uh, Enigma and Line of Duty, which are both Ooh. season one or early season two of SG-1. So... Blast from the past. Yeah. Andy Frizzle, who played the Hive Queen, previously played the Wraith Keeper in the episode Rising. <gasps> Hey, it's her. She's back. He's back. I really like that. I'm excited. I wonder if she'll be if we'll be seeing her more as each episode. Or sorry, as each race queen pops up. Yeah, that would be cool. I, I like her. I like I like the race keeper, and I don't remember the hive the episode, and I haven't watched it yet for the podcast. But I'm very curious about about her. And then, of course, our buddy James. Lovazano's um plays ah! the race commander. Of course. <laughs> He's back. He is. I actually I got a bit interested in him and I tried to research him a bit. And I don't know if, if you wanna hear it. I wanna hear it. Okay. The it's, James lore. <laughs> there's a sentence that I've found that I just that just cracked me up. It's from StargateFandom.com. And it says, James Lafazanos is known for portraying many of the Wraith commanders that are featured in Stargate Atlantis. In real life, he's actually a vegetarian. <laughs> wow. That was, the, that was the only info on him. There was nothing else. That was all. That's was all? Like, what? I mean, damn. Okay. Yeah. The irony. Uh- yeah, but uh, according to uh, companion, the companion interview from 2021, he's actually vegan now. So uh, oh, okay, <laughs> upgraded. Yeah. <laughs> then it, they said uh, on the audio commentary, they said that he's actually a comedian. So he used to. There's okay. Maybe I should say there's not a lot of info about him on the World Wide Web. Um, there are a few recent things from um the Dial the Gate podcast or not podcast but interview series and this interview with the companion. But otherwise, like okay, I went on his Wikipedia and there was like almost nothing. His filmography was like Atlantis in two other titles, and it was like, what has this guy been doing? And I haven't completely figured it out what he's been doing for the last fifteen years. No, he he appeared on The Expanse, I think. Um, Yeah. So, uh, when he auditioned for the part um, of the Wraith commander, um, I don't remember which one was the first, uh, but he took part, like, he actually really tried to get into the mindset of, like, these alien vampires, because that's all that he got, um, all the information he got about the part, that they are alien vampires. Um, so he took uh, inspiration from the original Predator, from Worf, from TNG, <laughs> uh, from 
and a bunch of different vampire uh, movies or works like Jeff Goldblum's uh, Transylvania from <laughs> 85 and also the original interview with a vampire. And he wanted to play it in kind of reptilian. I like and that. apparently he was, yeah, apparently he was asked to do a different approach as well during the casting, but they eventually just cast him right away. <laughs> So after that, because I guess he stood out. Uh, I think he had a really hard time on, on set sometimes because he was always in makeup yeah. and sometimes for like for, for you know fourteen or fifteen hours at a time, and people didn't really know who he was without <laughs> the makeup. So he sometimes had to reintroduce himself to even like higher up people because they just didn't know who he was. <laughs> Oh, yeah. He was uh, very invested in the characters, and he tried to give every wraith their own, you know, their own personality. Um, so for him, they were all different, and yeah, that's commitment. I'm gonna say, but unfortunately, he doesn't know what the tattoos mean. Darn! Yeah. Come on, James. <laughs> Anyone would know it would be you. I do. Backstory. I appreciate that he was the original Wraith Enjoyer. Like, he really, he really was. Yeah. I like that. Yeah, truly. Um, Shout out out to our king. King. Yeah. Wraith King. Great job at making each one honestly feel different, too. Like, even, like, just subtle differences, like, I don't know, I feel like they do all seem very different. Mm -hmm. He had to go through like 14 15 hour sets, like that's crazy. So, you know what? Shout out, James. We see you, yeah. King. We'll yes. continue to shout you out. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, he leaves. I think he leaves the show after season two. Oh no, yeah. Why? I wonder why. Makeup <laughs> stuff is set up, that's why. Um, yeah, that's, yeah, that's there's a quote. That I want to read um, about how he thinks about the wraith. Um, the quote I'd like to think there was one enlightened wraith that started giving teachings like the Buddha or something and said, you know what? We don't have to feed on humans. We can find other forms of energy to sustain us. And he started guiding the wraith to lead a more mindful existence. <laughs> so she, he actually. That's first of all, that's kind of hilarious, but he actually gave a lot of thought about the wraith, and yeah. I think he understood them as I, I, yeah, as like a species and three dimensional. That it's, yes, yeah, it's, yeah. It, it's not all black and white, and just because they are the villains from like the main cast. They have culture, they have language, they are three-dimensional. And I thought it was it was really cool. He also said that his favorite role was Steve for, Steve. Ron, for one. Yeah, because he didn't die right away. <laughs> <laughs> Steve was iconic as well. His yeah, line was pretty was. metal. I used it in yes. a set once. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah I, I like Steve. Say, I was like, maybe this is why, like, um, this, the Wraith get less interesting. <laughs> yeah. Maybe. Maybe yeah. you on, honestly. Because I feel like the early, everyone always remembers, like, Steve, Bob, like, literally, like, all the little ones. And then you get to a point where I feel like you just, I you really cannot name a single. I can't even, like, picture what the Wraith looks like. 
like after season four. Yeah, except Todd. Yeah, but like everyone else, I'm like, who? So he said that he also got really well along with Rainbow on set during the first season. I mean, I guess during the second one as well, but then, yeah. Maybe Rainbow got to see, like, through the latex. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And this one, I really hope this happens. Because he wrote a sci-fi comedy script, and he's trying to, like, or he's pitching it to people, and he's trying for it to get picked up, and then he wants to direct it. And I'm so hoping that it happens, because comedy and sci-fi are my two favorite genres. And I love it so, so much. I love The Orville. I love uh, Star Trek Lower Decks. I generally love, like, humor in, like... Like, Stargate is... It has humor, but it's not comedy, you know? And I really love comedy in sci-fi. So I really, really hope this is that this is going to happen. So I kind of started just... Chance. Yeah, I know. I need it. Yeah, that's our buddy James Lafazanos. We hey, We appreciate him. He makes the Wraith, I think, um, much more interesting. Gives them, I don't know, not agency, but like, brings them to life, I guess. Gives them a face, or faces. <laughs> That's true. Clever. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you for that, Ash. Shout out to James. And next we go back uh, to Tor for the fifth correct. Corner. <laughs> we are going to save our big red corner for next time, as it is a two-parter. So I figured eh, all the things that follow the theme of this episode kind of follow the theme of next episode too. So it'll be an extra big fit corner next time. Yeah. And so should we talk about the polls then for? This last episode that we did, um, we posted a poll <laughs> on Spotify, uh, uh, which again, you can totally uh, vote on our Spotify polls on each episode. They open for about two weeks. Um, and so, you, you know, early bird gets the worm. Go ahead and vote. And we'll talk about the polls here. And so we posted conversion. And the question of the week was... Bug John, smash or pass? And it goes a hundred percent yes, baby. <laughs> we see y'all, monster fuckers. We see y'all. We see y'all. And we love y'all. Yes. One of us. Yeah. Of, I also, mean, I think they're gonna say no to Bug John. Crazy people. Taylor. <laughs> oh. Ronan. Actually, I think Ronan is the one thing Ronan wouldn't do. Yeah, true. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He's like, Bug John's an asshole. Mm. Yeah. Oh, and then, really quick, before we end this episode, it is time for us to give a rating. Oh. Mm. Which is a hard one, because it is a part Mm -hmm. one. Mm. It's the build-up. This is hard. This is hard. I want to say, like, 7.5 or 8. I can't decide which one I want to say. Just because, like, I'm knocking points for the whole Taylor thing. Mm. Um, uh. Mostly the Taylor thing. <laughs> yeah. I'm just mad about that. Yeah. But, like, everything yeah. else I really enjoyed in the episode. Like, the team stuff was fun. Mm. 
Um, Elizabeth was fun and Lorne. Um, I like the gray area that Ford's character seems to be operating in right now, where it's kind of left up to interpretation, um, what his motivations are. Um, yeah, I like it. I agree with Tor. It's a very hard episode to sort of free, and I would do it sort of put it in like a 7.5 slash like 8 kind of category. I can't pick between the two, sorry. Um, and again, I agree with everything that Tor said. Good episode, things I liked, things I didn't like. All I will say is justice for Ford and Taylor. Yes. Yep. Yes. Agreed. Yes. I think I'm going to go a little bit higher and say 8.5, or I'm between 8 and 8.5. Because I, I enjoyed this episode, and I enjoyed it a lot more than I expected. I think that's why my rating is so high. Um, but yeah, big minus for um, Taylor. Um, but yeah, overall, I thought it was a great episode. Well, <laughs> we made it to episode 10 at the midway point of season 2. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Mizzy's in wrap-up oh soon. Mizzy's in wrap-up soon. First up, we gotta do The Hive, and then it'll be the Mizzy's in wrap-up. And we might have fun before we get back into the season. Be sure to check out all of our socials, link down below in the description box, all of our like jumping puddle stuff, and then also all of our private stuff so you can see what we are up to and what fandom we are currently in, because it kind of switches <laughs> a lot. Um, even though we are Stargate Atlantis fans first, like humans second, but we jump around. Um, <laughs> and so make sure to check all of that out. Thanks for hanging out with us today. Bye! Bye! Bye. All right, you clowns, listen up, and I'll often get a chance to say this, so savor it. Good work, boys and girls. Let's go home.